You're listening to Conversion Cast, presented by Leadferno. I'm your host, Aaron Weike. Conversion Cast focuses on digital marketing and conversion, exploring the art and science to turn a lurker on your website to a lead, a browser to a buyer. Today, I give you the Content Marketing and Distribution Masterclass. Yep, it's that good. My guest is Ross Simmons, the founder and CEO of Foundation Marketing. Ross is an exceptional marketer that I greatly admire. His social channels are inspiring, helpful, and always on point. That's because he's helped companies like Canva, MailChimp, Unbounce, and many others with content marketing and distribution. Get ready to learn from a master. Ross Simmons, thank you so much for joining me today on Conversion Cast. Aaron, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, looking forward to reconnecting and jumping in with everyone. Yeah, it's been a while since you and I have gotten to see each other in person. I think it was uh, one of the Saster conferences. Saster, yeah. Saster yep. was the last one. Yeah. Yep. Was that pre COVID or after COVID? Pre pandemic. It was uh, pre yep. before all of that. Uh, we were, it was a great event, though. It was a great event. I need to get back down to a Saster. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. been a while. I'm for myself. I went two years ago, missed last year, and need to get back in that too. Yeah. But hey, the the reason, uh, yes, for us to catch up, that's the whole reason I had you on. But we're going to also talk about content distribution today, which you uh, are an absolute master of. Appreciate and it. so you you were my first go-to on this. And, you know, in listening, because I, I consume a lot of your content and in one of your other talks, I you know, I heard you just say this great line. I thought it was a great place to start um, because it just rang so true for me. And that, that was that the industry has fallen victim to thinking it's just about content right? when it's about content marketing. Yeah. Tell us more. <laughs> yeah. So over the, the, I would say over the last 10 years, there's been a surgence of gurus, marketers, and leaders screaming at the top of their lungs, hey, businesses, you need to create content. Content is king. Create, 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 create. And this was even me. Like if I went back into time to like 2014, 2015, I was going out speaking to a whole bunch of small businesses around they need to create content. Whether you run a plumbing company, you run a restaurant, no matter what industry you are in, you should be creating content online because it's going to pay dividends in the future. The whole message around content creation has been absorbed. I think everyone gets that now. Everyone understands that if you can create content as it relates to a website, if you can create social content, if you can create content, it's a good thing for your business. But in this process, we have over-indexed on this idea of creating content where now more than ever between ChatGPT and all the different tools that make it easier than ever to create content. We are now living in a time where it's noisier than ever. There's more content being produced than ever before. And brands are able to create content at a much faster rate than they used to be able to. Content is everywhere. Content is arguably easy, but we have all gotten on a hamster wheel where every single week, sometimes every single day, we're asking ourselves, what new post should we put up? What new content can we put up? Instead of asking yourself, how can we use the content that we've already invested so much time and energy in and use that to help save us more time in the future. That's where marketing comes into the mix. We need to start distributing the content that we've already created. We need to start researching what content we created in the past that worked and then start to actually reshare that content 
repurpose that content and republish that content on our various channels. The biggest mistake that the industry makes today is that we get into this cycle of create, 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 and we don't take the time to take a step back and ask ourselves, what can we do with the things that we've already created? That is the fundamental element of content marketing that needs to come back into the industry. Oh man, when you say it, it just, maybe I should put it this way. Following you on Twitter for me or or X, right? X, yeah. It's like people when you have a like rubber band on your wrist to remind you of things. Right. Every time I see, you know, one out of every two or three or four of your posts, it's yeah. reminding me that same exact thing because I, I'm a content creator. I've written, I think, close to 80 plus blog posts on, right. on our blog over the last two years of launching. Yep. And I get excited to write it and I launch yeah. it. And yeah. after week one, there's so many times where I forget to revisit things that are still right. features. There's still right. people that don't know right. about my business, don't know yeah. about our features. Like, and it's just such a, every time like, oh, Ross, thank you. Like you, right. you're, you're like yeah. this rubber band on my wrist that just snaps right. and I'm like, get back to distribution on this. It's amazing. It's so key. It's so important, right? Like you think of even like you guys' software and the stuff that you folks do, like we have people sending out text messages and they're always trying to come up with these new ideas on what they can text. Like if you had a promotion or you had a piece of content that you created last holiday season, use that same thing to the people who are still connected to you via text message. Like don't always try to recreate the wheel and come up with new content. You can use old content through the distribution channels that you've already tapped into to spread your story and get additional eyeballs on it instead of getting on that hamster wheel of, oh, let's create a new blog post, a new asset, let's create a new um, checklist, whatever it may be. Repurpose and repackage the things that already exist. Yep. Listeners, if you, we're going to get to, I think you'll have a bunch of takeaways, but if you only take away <laughs> one thing from this, it is that stop just one and dunning your content with yeah. pushing it out there, promoting once, like figure out how to do lifecycle marketing with this stuff, yeah. touch it up, repackage it, everything else, like uh, continue to create a, a successful cycle with distributing right. and marketing your, your content. Yeah. All right. So, so let's move. We've identified the, the, the problem, what we've fallen victim to this huge uh, pitfall. Mm. How do we start to fix this? Right. Where, where, when you guys start to engage with someone at, at foundation marketing, yeah. where do you start? Yeah. So we always believe in looking at two things. One, the data and the information that exists today within your business and your organization, as well as third-party research to validate and confirm some insights and ideas that you might not already be aware of. So what that means is we need to look at what traffic is, what websites, what pages on your website, et cetera, what blog posts you've created, what checklists have you created that are actually driving a business result for you? Is there a checklist that you created a few years ago that at the time of it going live, resulted in a whole bunch of signups? Did you have a promo? Did you have a webinar or create a blog post or something that at one point in time drove a significant amount of results for you? We go back into time to identify these moments. If we can find a few of these, what it means is there was something that happened with this story and with that asset that we should try to replicate today. That might just mean taking a piece that was created back in 2019 that gave you the most leads that you ever had republishing it in 2024, but updating the dates, updating the information, resharing it on social, maybe writing it in a new way because an audience responds to things differently, 
putting it up on Instagram because you didn't use Instagram back then, but you built up a following, all of those different things. We start by doing an audit of the existing content assets that you've developed that have content market fit. Content market fit is essentially validation that the piece of content that you've produced aligns with the market that you're going after. And it solves a real problem and a real pain point that they have. Once we identify that, we try to reuse and repurpose that content consistently. In addition to that effort, though, we look at competitors. We look at competitors to understand what stories have they been publishing that are generating results. What ads are they running? We use tools like SpyFu, et cetera, to kind of get a sense of like what ads are they running because they're probably, if they're willing to put money behind this ad, then this asset is probably generating some type of business value for them. We use those types of tools to get insights into that. But also we do an analysis of like what pages on their websites are generating the most traffic, what podcast episodes have people... Um, hosted that are getting lots of shares, which posts on Instagram or even getting the most likes. We reverse engineer all of this stuff to get insights into what type of content we should create in the future. So long story, getting a little bit longer, the approach is simple. We pretend that we're like Sherlock Holmes. I like to call myself Sherlock Homeboy. We pretend we're <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. We jump in and we try to figure out like what content has worked for the brand or for in their space, we then understand that. And then we create a plan and a content calendar that is rooted in this insight around let's repurpose some old things, let's repackage some old things. And if necessary, let's create net new things as well that we know have content market fit. Yeah, that's so great, especially looking at what competitors are doing, right? It's like not mm-hmm. just our ideas, our strategies that have worked, haven't worked. Let's pay attention to the ecosystem and those that, that we're battling against. Right. One other thing that I know you've brought up, and I'm a you know huge proponent of this, and coming from working with you know reviews and customer feedback for yeah. for eight years is like not just reading your own reviews, reading your competitors' reviews, right? right. And right. what is it that people love that you can see like they have an affinity for this? This is important yeah. in their decision making. Yeah. What are they pissed about? Where do they fall short? Where are they not delivering? And using that, and any size business. Can, can do that, right? The biggest piece of software can do that. The right. smallest, you know, service provider, plumber in a community can look at exactly. this other company never returns calls. So if we just right. return calls, we're already a leg up on these guys and we can use in our marketing. We, re- we pick up the phone. We'll like, pick up the phone. I love that tactic, right? Like yep. I, that is something that I've leveraged and our team has leveraged for partners. And I think it's an easy one because if you look at the negative reviews on your competitors and you start to see a trend show up time and time again, where it's like, they never do X, they never do Y, they never. They were late, always late. You need to then take their weakness, turn it into your strength, not only inside of your business, but also with the communication. So when someone's reading your copy, if they felt burned by this competitor, they might read on your page, we're never late, we're always on time, it's our guarantee. If you can use that insight to actually tell your story, it can be a huge win. I love that one, Aaron, it's a yep. great record. And, and if you're a marketer, a digital agency, it's never been easier to scrape all of those reviews, then sure. use AI to help you compile them, pull mm-hmm. out the things that are most important, most frequently mentioned, whatever, else, like just simple things to then, you know, repurpose into strategy and content yeah. and tactics. Yeah. I remember spending a lot of money scraping these sites in the past, hiring data scientists to run n-gram analysis. You don't need to anymore. Now you can literally take that data, upload it to a tool like ChatGPT and get the insights delivered within the matter of seconds. It's a a fascinating time to be alive and to live in the marketing world. It totally is. 
So the, the next piece, uh, understanding the audience, right? How do you find out where that ICP is? Where is that, that customer that we want to talk to so that we make sure we're distributing to get it in front of them? What does that look like? Yeah, so there's a lot of qualitative metrics and research that you need to do here, and it's going to vary depending on the industry. So different industries tend to be um, have audiences that are spending time on different channels. So if I'm in the home services industry and I'm just trying to speak to a specific niche and a specific audience, then I might think with my consumer hat on. But if I'm in the digital marketing industry and I'm selling to other companies, I might have to put on my B2B hat and start looking at things like LinkedIn, et cetera. So if I'm in the home services space, I might be looking at Instagram. I might be looking at Facebook Marketplace. I might be looking at Facebook groups, all of these things. What do you do to validate whether or not your audience is there? You start to look at volume-based metrics. So for example, if I'm trying to service a specific region, a specific county or a town or a city, whatever it might be, I'm literally going to probably go to Facebook and type in that region and type in something associated with a group. So it could be dads in a certain region, whatever it might be. And I'm going to try to find out if there's a Facebook group that targets that people and how many people are in that group. That's enough for me to say, okay, that's probably my audience. Then I go into that group and I'm going to start to look around and see what type of content's being shared, et cetera. Across the board, when it comes to certain spaces, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, are going to be low-hanging fruits where you probably should have some type of a presence and be showing up. In other areas where it gets a little bit more interesting is things like Reddit. Is your audience spending time in subreddits, so you want to go to your region, go to your city, go to your state, your province, whatever it might be, type it in and see how many people are subscribed to your region subreddit. What type of content are they producing? Maybe you want to go into forums and go into things like TripAdvisor and see like, are there areas within that site where your audience is talking about? Again, you kind of just have to get lost in the obsession of your audience and ask them questions, but also reverse engineer the success that other people may have had in your space. The way that you do that is you can go to sites like SparkToro, where you're able to upload their Twitter handles or Facebook pages and LinkedIn pages and get some data around who follows this account. And that can potentially send you down the right path. Or you can use things um, like Facebook's ads manager and just start running ads and see, you don't actually have to turn the ads on, but you can type in certain demographics and see, okay, is my audience actually on this channel? And what other things are they following? So you really do have to become immersed. I always believe in asking the question, like having dialogue with your customers through questions, through surveys, et cetera. But more than anything, you just have to be customer obsessed and then go where they are. Yeah. And that's so important. I think that's a step probably most miss, right? They're thinking about right message at the right time and not right. taking it like, is, is it the right person that I'm right. getting in front of? Right. Yeah. And it's so key, right? Like it's simple. I always say like, one of the biggest mistakes I see in small business is that they will look at certain types of accounts on Instagram and they will see that they have millions of followers, not recognizing that, yes, they have millions of followers, but a good, like, let's say 500,000 of those followers aren't the right people for you. Like they're not going to be your ideal customer. They might live in a different country. They might live in a different region. They might never actually buy from you. So while it's cool that they're constantly sharing these funny memes, et cetera, would that audience translate into business for you? You have to start asking those questions. So what I try to advise is that you go a little bit localized, go a little bit niche and start to say like, okay, people in my area, what accounts are they following? What are they subscribed to? What are they consuming? What are they sharing? And then use that to inform your decisions around your content mix. Yeah, awesome. 
It's time to turn every page of your website into a conversion page. And I'm talking about every blog post, case study, customer testimonial, feature page, service page, you name it. Leadferno's web to text widget is the most customizable conversion widget on the market. You can power two-way texting, click to call, call requests, and link to any existing contact or estimate form, all from one place, always visible on the screen for your prospect. Improve your conversions today by starting our 14-day free trial at leadferno.com. And if you're an agency, we have a partner program as well, leadferno.com. So the next piece I wanted to talk about is, right, say when you guys engage with someone and they have this library, a blog, videos, webinars, things like that, um, that you start to take a look at. How are you, what are you guys using from top down to start to identify, like, what is the content that they have that have the highest opportunities for distribution? Yeah. So we believe in this philosophy that we call the four E's. And the four E's is a principle that we embrace across all content recommendations within our within any client that we work with. The four E's are educational content, engaging content, entertaining content, and empowering content. And if a piece of content that your brand has produced doesn't fall into one of those four categories, it's very likely that we would say, that's not a piece that was worth creating. It's probably not going to drive any ROI for you. And we always have that idea that whether we're talking about social content, whether we're talking about written content, It has to follow the four E's. It has to educate people, be how-to, instructional, give them a checklist, give them utility, give them value, and answer a question that they might have had in the beginning. Entertaining content. It doesn't have to be hilarious, but it can be content that simply puts a smile on someone's face. It can be content that inspires someone to send it to a friend to start an actual dialogue where they're having some fun. It could be a meme. It could be anything like that. You want to inspire people, motivate people. All of those things are entertaining content. Then we have the Empowering content. Empowering content is when you start to celebrate your customers. It's when you're celebrating people within your company, within your organization. This type of content also generates a lot of traction. And then the final type is engaging content. Engaging content is content that stirs up a dialogue, sometimes even stirs up a debate. It could be content that is a little bit more controversial. It might also just be content that gets people talking. It could be as simple as, do you like coffee or do you like tea? Very basic, very straight to the point. It's very harmless, but it will strive to create a bit of a dialogue on your channels. These are the types of pieces of content that brands should create. And when you're looking at your content calendar, if it doesn't educate, if it doesn't engage, if it doesn't entertain, or it doesn't empower people, then it's probably not a piece of content that is worth creating. Yeah, well, while you were saying that, I'm going in a, you know, retroactively looking at my content strategy and applying those. And I can easily see like, okay, some of the things that have worked well for me fall Mm. into that, you know, engaging part, right? For us, it's like uh, SMS versus live chat as real time channels, right? And saying like, here's the pros and cons. Here's why we feel SMS is best. And that is one that has traction search volume wise, has traction for conversion, like uh, all all of these different elements. So that that absolutely makes um, sense with what you're looking uh, for there. I love it. And when you can combine multiple types of ease, it can be even more powerful, right? Like one of my favorite types of content in local businesses is educational and empowering. When brands create content about 
not necessarily their competitors, but other businesses. For example, if I'm in the home services industry, I'm rating a piece of the 10 top realtors that you need to talk to if you need to buy a home in this region. And then you write about all of these realtors and then you send an email to all of these realtors, letting them know that you reference them. There's two things that are going to happen. One, your audience is going to be very find value in this piece that you created. So they're going to be happy Two, all of the realtors that you mentioned are going to see this as like ego bait and they're going to share it on all of their social channels because you're empowering them. So now you reach their network, their audience, they're going to share it with their friends, their colleagues, their parents are going to share it because, Hey, my friends in the news, my son's in the news, my daughter's in the news. They're going to love that stuff. So trying to combine two E's at once is a amazing opportunity for brands. Yeah, well, great, great advice there. Link, link those E's together, yeah. um, and that that really unlocks what the potential is. It's huge. So once we have that content, you know, then then let's take a look, right? And there's a lot of options um, for the digital channels for distribution. Um, but I know from some of the things you've talked about, you feel like one there's a sleeping giant that yeah. most businesses are not leveraging. To, to tell us about that, the. So everyone gets all excited about Google for yep. good reason. It's Google. It's the one of the biggest sites in the world, probably where most people start their, their experience online. But Google bought another website called YouTube that is <laughs> literally the second biggest search engine in the world. And and might be the like best uh, M&A merger acquisition like ever. Like what ever. a steal. <laughs> Such a steal, right? Like yep. They got it for... I wouldn't say peanuts, but they didn't have to spend as much as it is worth now. And it is going to probably go down in history as one of the best acquisitions ever. And YouTube for businesses is a major, major opportunity. Every single hour, millions of people go to YouTube and they do searches. They're looking for answers to questions. They're looking to learn things. They're looking to be entertained. They're looking to be engaged. And they go to this channel looking for that information. And we have so over-optimized on the written side in the world of SEO and content creation that we've forgotten that humans by nature actually want video content. There is a reason why movies get way more eyeballs than books. I hate to say it. I'm a book nerd. I love a good book. But the vast majority of the world just wants to watch a movie. Movies are, without question, still to this day, one of the number one formats in which people consume content. Video, still number one format in which people want to consume content. They will even consume video content on mute because they just love visuals. So my advice to so many businesses is to think through how you can start to turn maybe some of that old written content that you've produced into video assets. Can you get on a camera and talk about a certain thing? Can you tell your brand story through video content? And if none of this seems like it is viable for you, can you partner with influencers? Can you partner with other people who are experts in the space? Can you interview your customers and have them talk about it? Video is a major opportunity and the brands that invest in video content today are going to be the brands five years, 10 years from now that are collecting a lot of checks on the back of the video content that they produce in the short term. It is a major opportunity and I believe that it's the sleeping giant that for some reason brands are still sleeping on. Yeah. Well, uh, include me in that. Consider that another rubber band snap on my wrist. Um, <laughs> we do some video content. We like, uh, you know, outline some of our features at Lead for and stuff like that. But I definitely need to do more, especially thinking about those videos around those, you know, the four E's that, that you outlined as well. 
Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, so it's easy in the world of search. We have a number of tools at our finger trips to do keyword research and yeah. find out like what what's the demand for? What are people looking for? Right. Can you or how do you do that with YouTube yeah. to know what, what are people looking for so that yeah. we can possibly be a fit for them? My favorite tool is vidIQ. So okay. vidIQ is a YouTube keyword research tool. It also has a handful of AI tools that it just rolled out where it will assist you in identifying content opportunities. It will write your YouTube titles for you. It will even create a script for you for your YouTube videos. It does a ton of different things. It has a Chrome extension that you're able to install. And with that, when you go to a channel, it will tell you, have you promoted this video enough? Do you need to actually add a few cards at the end of your video so people can click and then go deeper into your video um, assets? It's a great tool. I strongly recommend that people check it out. Um, it's relatively affordable as well. And the data and the information that even their YouTube channel provides is next level. And I would recommend people check that out as well. Well, I am definitely going to nerd out on that. Um, now, now let's shift and let's take a look at uh, content I feel that is probably most readily available for most businesses, and that's blog content. Just as we started off with, we've been told to create content. Businesses yep. of all uh, sizes, enterprise down to small business have created blogs and written blog content. What are some yep. of the, the staples that you do when you're looking to recommend a base strategy for repackaging, updating, optimizing the, this past content for, for new results? For sure. So it starts by identifying the pieces of content that are worth promoting. And you want to go into your analytics and look at what pieces of content you've produced that are generating the most traffic, generating the most backlinks, generating the most leads, or generating the most actual sales. And it's directly related to an actual conversion and somebody swiping a credit card to purchase from you. Those are the things that you want to start with. And then once you've identified that, you have to ask yourself, is this an evergreen piece of content? What does that mean? An evergreen piece of content means that the asset that you've produced is actually still going to be relevant and valuable a year from now, maybe even two years from now. And as such, it's always going to have a life cycle that is worth repackaging and repurposing. Because the worst thing that you could do is that you look at a piece of content that you created and it happens to be just breaking news around something that happened in your industry or with your business for a short period of time. And then you're trying to repackage this, you're investing a bunch of time and energy in it, but that piece is no longer valuable. Instead, you want to find an evergreen piece, a piece that will always serve your customers and your ideal audience, and then you can repackage that forever and continue to promote it. That's the mantra that I live by. Create a piece of content that is so good that you can distribute it forever and it can always be amplified and promoted. Yeah, that's awesome. And one other small tip I like to throw in just because from the angle of our world that we always deal with and trying to foster conversion is looking at those posts and like, have you written anything in it that's angled towards conversion, right? Mm -hmm. Are you explaining, here's how we can help you do this and here's how to take the first step. Here's how painless this is, Yeah, you know, whatever it is, I, I see so many people create that content just strictly to rank um, right. or, or to get to like the first step, but they never think of, how do yeah. I move them into the next uh, phase of our funnel or being? I see it so many times. Like there, I had a, uh, I have a heat pumps. We call them HVAC type of things set yep. up in our in our home. And I went on Google and I was looking to figure out why was it leaking, what was going on. And someone wrote an amazing blog post breaking it all down, all the things I needed to do, etc. And I was like, okay, this is the person I'm going to hire next time. Yeah. There's nowhere to go to get in touch. And I was like. Oh, this is so broken. Yeah. So I sent the owner an email. And I was like, listen, 
this is what you need to do to fix this because I would have bought from you, but you didn't get this thing right. Yep. Um, they're coming in to do some more work later. So it did, they did eventually convert, but yep. there was a broken experience where they could be probably generating a ton of leads on the back. Of that. Yeah. Just got to make it easier to take the next step, right? That's it. All right. You've outlined all of this greatness. Let's wrap up with this. We're at the point of distribution, right? Mm. What what needs to uh, be done? What's the the roadmap, the framework to take a look at? So you press publish on a blog post. It's great. It's amazing. You're popping the bubbly. You know that this is a good piece of content. It just needs to get spread out there to the world. First thing that you're going to do is you're going to go into Leadferno and send it out as a text message. So it goes to all of your leads and your contacts. Then after that, you're going to make sure that you're sending it out as an email to make sure that anybody who's in your email database is also getting that asset. And what happens when you do that is you're going to make sure that it's conversion optimized as well. So they know, hey, after you read this piece, it's valuable. If you're ever interested in X, Y, and Z services or whatever, get in touch with us. But that's not where it ends. You're also going to share it on your social media channels. You're going to put it up as a post on Facebook. You're going to share it on X. You're going to share it on LinkedIn as well. Then over time, you're going to say, okay, that's it. That's it. We've promoted it enough. Not exactly. You're going to take that exact same post. You're going to upload the full article on LinkedIn as an article and press publish. The reason you're doing this is simple. One, you're now going to reach the people on LinkedIn that you didn't reach that first time you published that post. But two, LinkedIn has a higher domain authority, which essentially is its visibility and trust in the SERP. And it's probably going to outrank your article in Google. Ideally, you can press publish on this a few days later, so maybe your piece can rank, but it probably won't rank LinkedIn. So you start to rank number one with the LinkedIn article. In addition to that, you're going to go into a site like Reddit where your community spends time. You're going to submit it. You're going to share that with that community and that audience and say, hey, folks, I put together this great piece on my region and this location. I think you'll find value in it. They'll consume it. They'll give you a bunch of upvotes and it will also assist you in breaking the internet, which will be amazing. At this time, you might be tired, but now you have to reshare that on X because the people who were following you on the first day aren't the same people who are following you today. You're going to do the same thing on Facebook and LinkedIn, except you're going to write the post that you share it with slightly different. Now, at this point, you're probably getting a lot of buzz and a lot of traction, but there is still some things that you should be doing with that content to make sure it gets as much reach as possible. You're going to go to Facebook, you're going to go in and you're going to do a search for Facebook. Facebook groups that are relevant to your niche and your audience. And you're going to share that content in those communities as well. Ideally, you read the rules and regulations to ensure that you can promote a link without getting banned and blocked. You go in, you share that content. Now you've reached that community. Do the same thing on LinkedIn groups, distribute your content into the LinkedIn group where your audience might be. If you think your audience in your niche might be there. At this point, you're probably very exhausted and tired, but I still have one more thing that I want you to do. I want you to update your signature in your email. So it actually says, PS, check out this new blog post that I wrote. And it is always in every single email that you're sending to prospects and leads. So you're sending hundreds of emails. Now it's showing up directly in your email signature. So more and more people are clicking on that. There's a lot more that you could do, but with that, I think you're probably good. And if you can do that, you will be ahead of the curve and you will finally put marketing back into content marketing. Awesome. Some great tips in there. Love the simple, so many simple one-to-many opportunities, like putting it in uh, your, your email signature. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I, I've seen before, you guys created kind of a little bit of a checklist or a framework for this. We did. Yeah. So if you go to Google and you type in Ross Simmons distribution checklist, you can check it out. Also go to rosssimmons.com slash distro pack uh, and you can download a free checklist that breaks down all of the various ways that we distribute content. And hopefully you can get some inspiration on how you can distribute content as well. 
Awesome. I will link to those in the show notes. I will also link to Ross's Twitter slash X, his LinkedIn, because I am already well aware of the great content you get from there. Other than all these items we've missed, Ross, is there anywhere else people should be stalking you like I do? Yeah. So a lot of folks are probably listening to this via podcast or in their headphones. If you like podcasts, I have one. It's called Create Like the Greats, where I give a breakdown into things that I'm creating, things that I'm doing, but also I interview and talk about some of the greatest creators of all time. So we'd love to connect with folks there. Aaron, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a blast to reconnect. Uh, and I hope your listeners got a lot of value out of this today. No doubt. I think I'm just going to make the title of this one Content Distribution Masterclass because I, I feel <laughs> like it was served. So well done. And thanks so much, Ross. Thank you.